Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Ah, wherever you are and however you're listening, we welcome you to the Sports Rivals with Ernie and Monty. Ernie, we've reached the halfway point of the NBA season. So today, what we should do is share who we believe are the mid-year award winners in the NBA. Sure. Also, we will continue our never-ending quarterback talk. I personally can't get enough about talking about this quarterback situation, so we'll dive in there. And then I think the the one variable that was discussed this week that seems uh, likely to happen is where will Sam Darnold end up? Mm -hmm. So we'll cover that. But first, let's start with this. Let's dive straight into the NBA's major awards with the All-Star game being played today. We'll start with the big one, MVP. So I'll turn it over to you, Ernie. Who is the league's MVP right now? Okay, being that it's a mid-season award, I mean, up to now, I mean, there are a lot of candidates. I mean, you got Joel Embiid. Uh, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James playing excellent. You got the last year's, actually the last two years MVP in Giannis. But uh, right now for me, the, uh, my if I were to vote today, not to saying that he's going to be the person that's going to be picked, or I mean, it's a midseason award, but for me, it's going to be Nikola Jokic. You know, I believe he's been playing uh, lights out. And he, to me, an MVP is someone who is again, most valuable player to their team. I mean, they are playing, they are playing lights out, in my opinion, in regards to that. Uh, now, they did lose Jeremy Grant. Uh, Joel Embiid has, uh, I think in the media's mind, they're picking him because actually their team has come, uh, in my opinion, came from a point where they were very disappointing last year in regards to that, you know, very disappointing. And I think he's just playing up to his, his, his potential right now. But in my opinion, Jokic does more for his team on an all-around basis because of the, his, his uh, skill set as a passer than Embiid does. I mean, if you look at the points scored, Joel beats him by about three points per game. Rebounds, roughly the same. Blocks, I don't think both either of them are considered uh, elite rim protectors. But Jokic pulls away as a passer. At one point in the season, he was the leading assist person on top of that. So if I were to choose today, I would have picked Nikola Jokic. And you know, I think that's great. And the, the one thing I think people have to understand is right now, we're not trying to guess who the media is going to pick. It, this is really our opinion on right. who deserves to be an MVP. So, you know me, Ernie, I like my lists. So, I've jotted down five names here that should get MVP consideration. Um, and then we can bounce back and forth on some of these, just spend a little bit of time discussing them. But at number five, I have James Harden. Okay. Now, this has been something that has happened over the last couple of weeks. You know, what he did in Houston and how he started off the year and how he got his way in getting traded was, to say the least, annoying. Um, but what he has done since getting to Brooklyn has been incredible. I mean, he's really raised their level of play. And for the most part, over the last three weeks, it's without Durant. So he's been carrying the team. Nightly, he seems to be putting up triple doubles. He's have, he has nine triple doubles already, uh, most of those in the last month or so. And he leads the league in assists. 
He's averaging 25 points. So I think Harden is doing a great job. Giannis is number four. It's really hard to eliminate Giannis at any point in time. He started off slowly this year, but he's really turned it on in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, he's averaging routinely 35 points uh, over the last couple of weeks. Milwaukee's playing better. They beat the Clippers recently. So Giannis is always going to get back up there. LeBron is number three. Again, if we did this two weeks ago when we were talking about things, I had LeBron at number one. Mm -hmm. But I think AD's injury and LeBron's getting tired and his shooting percentage dropping and the Lakers losing some games has kind of lost that luster. Maybe he gets it back later in the season. But LeBron is three. I've got Jokic, uh, Jokic at number two. You know, so for all the reasons that you said, he's been incredible. Uh, and I got Embiid at number one. The only variable for me between Embiid and Jokic right now is that Philadelphia is playing better overall. Philadelphia has the number one seed and Denver started off slowly. But the thing with, with uh, Jokic is that when the NBA shut down last year, he went back home to Europe. And in the four months that the, the, um, the NBA was shut down, he went home and lost 40 pounds. He came back a completely different person. He dominated in the bubble. I mean, it wasn't just Jamal Murray going off that led them to the finals uh, in the Western Conference. He was playing really well. And I think that getting into that well of a shape has carried over this year because he has been carrying Denver and he's been great. But Joel Embiid is putting up Steph Curry numbers from the shooting perspective. He's seven feet. He's unguardable when he's motivated. He dominates any other center, really. Um, but he's shooting 42% from three. Mm -hmm. He's shooting over 50% from the field, over 42% from the line. He could be only the second person in the history of the NBA to average over 30 points a game and shoot over 40% from three and 50% from the field. Steph Curry was the only other person to do that. So I think that's remarkable. My fear with Embiid, can he put this together for an entire season? He's never done it before. Right. Um, so it's to me, it's still a wide open game. I would have Embiid right now. He would be my vote right now. Mm -hmm. But any of these five could end up winning the MVP award. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can see that. Yeah, as far as a mid-year uh, a mid -year award, I, I, you know what? It, it's close. It's close with Embiid, with Jokic. And I agree with you in regards to LeBron. I mean, he was up there, you know, with AD being out. He, he did lose, uh, you know, that shine in regards to uh, being the, the eventual MVP. But who knows? The second half of the, the season will, will tell a lot. I mean, I think it's going to be a challenge for all these MVPs again. Even though COVID is, uh, is uh, you know, hopefully on the decline, we'll see which teams and uh, how, their te how their teams are, are, are put together, especially after the trade deadline, and see who can be again the most valuable player for their teams. Yeah, I mean, just just like what I'm commenting here, my top five has changed so much in two weeks. I mean, imagine what could happen in the second half of the season. And you're right, it is a COVID environment, even if COVID is better. Just look at what happened today in the All-Star game. You have Embiid and Simmons out because their barber tested positive. And so anything can happen. You yeah. just never really know. And I refer back to your man with the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum, who's playing better, but COVID really set him back. Yeah. I mean, it has set him back dramatically over the first half of the season. Hopefully he recovers fully and is able to be the real Tatum in the second half of the year. Exactly, exactly. What I find interesting in regards to, to, to the list is did you notice that the top three, at least the top three in your list and what I consider my list, are all international players. You know, you got you got Embiid, 
from Africa. I'm not sure what part of Africa. Jokic, of course, from uh, you know Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. and the Greek freak. The international game is really putting out good players. Yeah, they really are. And then uh, other than Embiid, who came to America and played at Kansas, you have Jokic, who was a second-round draft pick. And then, uh, you know, Giannis, we talked about last week, being a mid-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get these guys on the cheap. Well, you used to. But then Luca has kind of changed that. And right. Luca went high. Right. And I think that stays the same. So, I mean, no argument with, with your pick. Um, I think Jokic is having a great year. Embiid's also having a great year. It'll be interesting to see how the second half of the season plays out. But let's jump into the defensive player of the year. Because I think that one is, uh, can go in many directions. So mm -hmm. who do you have as your defensive player of the year through the first half? For me, it's, it's Rudy Gobert. I have not seen, in the years that he's won, and he's won twice already, uh, he just changes the game. I, I'm taking a look at this. I mean, I, I, I think uh, the players that are contention are, are Gobert, Simmons, and Miles Turner right now. But I'm taking a look at this from the eye test. And I don't know any individual NBA player who adjusts the shots when the attacking offensive players going towards him more than Gobert. And I'm sure there'd be carry some statistics, but it's got to be phenomenal. Miles Turner is averaging almost a block more than Gobert, or a little less than a block more than Gobert. But I, I can tell you, if you ask any NBA player who they go, who they attack the rim uh, more against, they're going to choose Miles over Gobert because Gobert... Gobert just, it, it, it's, it's uncanny. I just think because they know that he's done what he's done so long and so consistent that, uh, you know, they don't challenge him as much as Miles. And that's why Miles has been getting more blocks this year. I, I, and if you look at Miles' statistics, he's basically done this since his second year in the NBA. I mean, he averaged over three blocks per game, uh, you know, in his sophomore year in the NBA. But I don't think he gets the attention as Gobert, again, because people recognize that Gobert is harder to go against. And then Ben Simmons, it, it, you know, another good defender, another all-NBA defender. But what he does away from the rim versus at the rim, who's to say your percentages in regards to how you shoot at the rim are supposed to be up better than from mid-range and outside of the arc. Ben Simmons is definitely better mid-range and outside the arc. But again, what percentage of that uh, is dictated towards the outcome of the game? I would think more people in a tight, close game, if, you're, if you don't have an open three, they're going to attack the basket. And that's where I believe that uh, the big mans have the advantage in regards to who can get... Uh, you know, who, who, who decides the outcome of a, uh, a game more, more so. So I'll choose Gobert. Okay. Um, and and not, not a bad pick. You know, I, I have the same three as, as the three that are probably the most prominent names. But there are others that are being mentioned. I've heard some talk recently about LeBron James as Defensive Player of the Year. Mainly because he picks and chooses when he wants to play defense. But with AD out, he is guarding the best player on the other team. Especially at the end of the game. I'm not ready to put uh, LeBron in the DPOY yet, um, but I have Miles Turner third. Uh, for the same reasons. He's been blocking a ton of shots, but I don't think he has the, the level of respect. 
um, I have Gobert 2. Now, I had Gobert 1 for, for quite a while. And then I switched it really this week after the Utah-Philadelphia game. I had never seen Rudy Gobert dominated like Joe Embiid did. And, and that really changed the perspective. Jokic has, have, ha, has had some success against Gobert. And now Embiid dominated Gobert. I mean, made him look scared in that particular game. So I'm going with Ben Simmons. And the reason for Simmons is that he's so versatile. He literally guards one through five. So, and he's by far their best defender on, on the Philadelphia team. So whoever he needs to guard, he's the one that takes the hardest assignment, whether it be a point guard or a center in some cases when Embiid's out. So his versatility, his length, his reach, his ability to get steals, clog the passing lanes, get deflections, um, and the ability to cover one through five mm -hmm. is why I have Ben Simmons at number one. But Gobert is a two-time defensive player of the year. I'm not saying that he's had a bad season or everything you said is not correct. Mm -hmm. But the eye test that like you always refer to right. really bothered me that day when Embiid dominated. And now Embiid is dominating everyone. So, right. you know, he doesn't have to, to be so slight. But I think it gave me enough reason, enough pause to say, hey, you know what? Simmons is doing a great job as well. Maybe Ben Simmons is the DPOY. Could be, could be. I'd like to see Ben Simmons against Kevin Durant if you're going to be putting Gobert versus Embiid. Like you said, Embiid has been dominating everyone. But Simmons is a good choice. I mean, there's, there's, it's hard to argue, especially from the mid, uh, for a midseason award. We'll see again who comes out, uh, you know, uh, with, with, with all gears clicking after this all-star break and who can actually win the award at the end of the year. But, yeah, I have no problem with you picking Simmons. I, I, I have him as my number two, but for me, it's going to be Gobert. Okay, so now the easiest award. Okay. Uh, let's talk Rookie of the Year. Uh, yeah. um, I think that one is pretty obvious at yes. this point in time. I mm -hmm. think it would be a unanimous vote. But before we get to the obvious winner, and we'll chat a little bit about him, you, you wanted to uh, point out some of the other rookies that are not going to win the, the Rookie of the Year, but are actually having pretty good Rookie Year campaigns. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I be, I, when, this, when the draft uh, first came into play, everybody thought this was a down year in the draft. I mean, obviously, I think it's because... The media didn't get to see March Madness. You know, you had the rookies coming in and they didn't get to show their stuff. Some people are made, you know, their stock rises and falls through March Madness and uh, the training camps. And we didn't have training camps. We didn't even have uh, Las Vegas, you know, for the rookies to start their NBA season. So it's not surprising to find out that you have people like uh, Emmanuel Quickly from the New York Knicks drafted in the 20s, you know, that's playing surprisingly well. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's outplaying uh, Obi Toppin, who was the top 10 pick it, for the Knicks. Exactly. And you could say the same for Peyton Pritchard, who was the second first round pick of the Boston Celtics, outplaying Neat Smith, who's number 14. I mean, you have all these players, you know, that are, are doing well. You, you, you have the duds, you know, you have, the, of course, the duds in, on top of there, you know. I, I, but I don't think you can call at least the top three picks. I don't think you can call any of them busts right now. You know, I think Wiseman, he was actually in the beginning part of the year, probably my pick for rookie of the year, you know, because of injuries and whatnot. He has, of course, fallen down to Melo, who's been playing terrific as of late. I mean, if, if, if Melo played like this, he'd be an all-star game. I mean, he's shooting over 50% from threes, over 20, shoot, uh, averaging over 23 points per game. Uh, incredible. And you know what? If anything, I thought he would have been the bust. You know, I thought he would have been a bust. I don't know if it's just because of my disdain for 
his father <laughs> or the past, uh, you know, his, his sibling, you know, your former Laker, you know, but give the man props. He yeah. is definitely my, my mid-season rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with, with uh, James Wiseman. I think he has shown that he has tremendous athleticism, but he has to be able to, to stay healthy. But I think he is going to be a star. Not mm -hmm. a superstar, but a star in this league. Anthony Edwards, the number one pick in the draft, has surprised me. I personally wouldn't have taken him number one. I thought he looked heavy. I thought I had heard some reports that he's not a worker. Uh, and to me, if you go number one, you take a worker. But he showed up in shape. He oh, yes. looks good. Yes. He looks athletic. He probably has the dunk of the year so far mm -hmm. where he took off and just threw one down on the baseline. Um, but he does look... He was The thought was he could be similar to Dwayne Wade. Um, and I was like, no way, because Dwayne Wade really works. But if he continues to work hard, who knows? Yeah. I mean, he has the athleticism to be a star. He really does. My problem with him is, is he willing to do the work? He's had two coaches now in his rookie year without the, the preseason, without the Las Vegas Summer League. So it's going to take him some time. But I see those three, um, Wiseman and Edwards, as being star caliber. But LaMelo... Could be a superstar. Could be. And you're right. He was definitely hurt by the fact that Lonzo was supposed to be the Lakers savior when he came in. He was going to light up the NBA. That never happened. He's been traded once. He could be traded again. Although he is playing a little bit better and gaining a little bit more confidence. But I always felt back when they both were on the same team in high school that LaMelo, LaMelo was the better player. Because mm -hmm. he could shoot. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know what happened. I think because Lonzo struggled with his shot so much that people started to assume that LaMelo wasn't going to be able to shoot as well. And he's kind of proven that wrong. But since they inserted him into the starting lineup, you're mm -hmm. right. I mean, it's he's now averaging almost 21 points, over 6 rebounds, over 6 assists. And he's shooting well from the field, from the three. He's making things happen. And he is excitement. He is box office, which mm -hmm. is something that the Hornets have not had for a long time. So I'm happy for him. He comes in with tremendous expectation. I think the fact that Lonzo went out of L.A. into New Orleans and struggled a little bit has kind of shut LeVar up a little bit. Yes. So he's been distant, giving LaMelo a bigger opportunity and a better opportunity to shine. But he's been lights out. I'm surprised at how well he's playing, but I'm happy for him. Yeah, no, me too, me too. And that could be it. It could be LeVar. LeVar put so much pressure on Lonzo his, his year, hyping him up, saying that he's the best player, saying that he'll break all these records. And then you got him making outrageous comments in regards to other people about on the league, how he wanted to get the coach fired, how they should play him in L.A. You know, that plays a lot. Of, I mean, that to me, that puts a toll. So with him, down, like you said, downplaying his, uh, his stance in regards uh, to uh, LaMelo, LaMelo, yeah, less, less pressure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Lonzo came in with the pressure of being a superstar before even playing a game. Yes. And the other team were, was determined to shut him down, making it even harder. So he was getting the other team's best effort from day one, making it harder for him. And then he couldn't stay healthy his rookie year. And then LeBron didn't have confidence in him when he got there. Thus, he shipped out. So good for LaMelo. Let's talk our last major award that we're going to talk about, most improved player. Who mm -hmm. do you got at that one? I have... A lot a, of great candidates. Yeah, lot, a lot. There are a lot. I mean, I mean, I, you know, you got... For me, you have uh, Jalen Brown, who's made another leap in regards to his development on the Boston Celtics. 
Julius Randle has been playing well for the New York Knicks. You know, uh, the move of Christian Wood from Detroit to Houston, he's, he's been, although he's hurt right now, you know, you, he's done great. But for me, Jeremy Grant, in his position, who never averaged more than 13 points in a game, to now scoring over 23 and, the, and, and his development with the uh, Detroit Pistons, he would have to be my uh, most improved player of the year, at least for the midseason. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant has had an incredible first half. Um, again, I have, I have, in terms of the finalists, I think the same three as you, but a couple others that I wanted to mention is Chris Boucher from mm -hmm. the Toronto Raptors. He's mm -hmm. come out of nowhere to me. I mean, he was a second-round draft pick. He hardly played. Then last year, he's averaging 6.5 points, 4.5 rebounds on a block. This year, he's at 13 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Uh, so he's had a, a dramatic improvement. Colin Sexton from the Cavaliers, he's gone from a 20-point score to a 25-point score. But the three main ones, you have Jeremy Grant at 1. Uh, I have Jeremy Grant actually at 3. I have Christian Wood at two, and my number one most improved player is Julius Randle. Mm -hmm. So with Jeremy Grant, it's not that his, I think statistically, his improvement has been dramatic. And right. I think that's what makes it very obvious that he should be considered. And Christian Wood's the same way. Before mm -hmm. he got injured, I mean, his stats have gone from 13 points a game to 24 points a game, from six rebounds to 10 rebounds. I mean, that's all-star numbers if he didn't get hurt. Um, but in Christian Wood's case and in Jeremy Grant's case, are the stats a result of the fact that their teams are struggling, especially Detroit? Is he carrying a bad team, which means his stats are inflated? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but he's definitely improved. The reason I'm going with Julius Randle is not just his st stats that have improved. I mean, he's gone from a 19-point score to 22, a 10-rebound person to 11, 3 assists to 6 assists, but 27% 3-point shooting to 38% 3-point shooting. So statistically, he's better. But I think the biggest thing is the Knicks are actually in the playoff hunt. They're mm -hmm. over 500 at this point in the year for the first time in, I think, 10 years or something I heard. And he's the main reason. He's the main reason he is leading that team, not only statistically, but from a leadership perspective. So I've got Julius Randle number one, but I have no problem with Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant could win, especially if he continues this uh, onslaught statistically. And hopefully Detroit gets better. They've got rid of Blake Griffin now. Right. So that's even one less person for him to, to have to combat with. So so I'll go I'll go with Julius Randle, but I have no problem with Jeremy Grant. Okay, good list, good list. I, I, I can't make uh, any hard argument against that. But yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Those are our midseason awards for... Uh, MVP, defensive rookie of uh, defensive player of the year, and rookie of the year. Hopefully, you tell us. You tell us if we missed anybody on your list, you know, and just give us a give us a shout out on uh, and your argument why you should. Uh, there might be other names out there that uh, we we haven't mentioned. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just hit us up again on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We always welcome your feedback especially when it's to tell us how idiotic we sound or how bad we are. So go ahead and hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to head and talk NFL right after the break. Right, Ernie, we cannot get enough quarterback talk or just NFL talk 
talk in general. I mm-hmm. mean, every week, this week actually, compared to the last two weeks, have been a little bit quiet. I think the, the highlights of this week were probably the signing of Big Ben or the re-signing of Big Ben or the adjustment in his contract with right. the Steelers. So I'm sure you're going to have a strong opinion on, on that. And then it's the admission that the Jets have put Sam Darnold up for sale mm-hmm. uh, or taking calls to see if anyone is interested in Sam Darnold. And actually a little bit more chatter, which again is surprising to see that the Seattle Seahawks are actually open to taking calls on Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Whether that materializes in anything, who knows? But that's been some of the chatter. So let's start with your Steelers. I mean, I, I, I think that you probably... Wanted to move on from Big Ben, yes. but you're stuck with him now. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your thoughts are. I mean, it's not that I, I, I wanted the man uh, totally out. I, I think in the long run, and I, I, I seem to like to look past the next season. Uh, again, Ben has been a, a terrific quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, three Super Bowl appearances, two wins, uh, greatest quarterback in Steelers franchise history. However, uh, as I mentioned in a, a previous podcast, I think there's a time to go for everyone and I think Ben has hit that standpoint. Now, with that being said, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have restructured his contract to make his uh, contract more appealing to their team. Now, when they did so, they did so in stretching it out for an additional Five years, I believe, that's his contract is. And even though I don't anticipate Ben playing with the Steelers past the 21-22 season, uh, his specter will loom with the Pittsburgh Steelers in regards to, uh, you know, dead cap money thereafter. Yeah, but I think in the Steelers situation, I think you had a situation where if you cut him, you're still stuck with a cap hit of 22 plus. Right. Um, so in this situation, you have that cap hit or a similar cap hit this year because he's taking less money. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's four avoidable years. So this is going to stretch out the cap uh, dead money into next year. If, if it, as expected, he probably retires. But I think from the Steelers perspective, they're just not ready to rebuild. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a viable option or an opportunity to go get a viable option you know they they don't have any cap space or the assets really to go get a Russell Wilson mm-hmm. or to go get a Deshaun Watson um, and then they went and got Dwayne Haskins maybe they truly do want to see if he can develop in a year or so I'm not sure he will but maybe they think he might um, and then the only real options out there now is maybe a Sam Darnold and they're probably not convinced that yeah. they want him so what they've done essentially is say hey we're not going to put our season in Dwayne Haskins' hands. We trust Big Ben much more than we trust Dwayne Haskins. And we have a solid team. Even if they were to lose maybe one linebacker or maybe Juju go somewhere else, there's so much talent still on that team mm-hmm. that the Steelers can be really good, a playoff caliber team, as long as Big Ben can just manage what's going on and not try to light up you know, like he's done in the past. So he has to, I'm sure that was part of the discussion for him to take $5 million less in salary is pretty clear that the Steelers went to him and said, Hey Ben, this is going to be your offer. Take it or leave it. This is what we're going to need you to do. Mm -hmm. And he agreed to it. So I would expect a different Ben, not the more arrogant uh, Ben of past, but more of a game manager type. 
um, because he doesn't have the same tools that he once had to push the ball down the field a lot. So he's going to have to do things a little bit different. But that team is still loaded. Mm -hmm. You know, they got a little bit more cap space for this year, or at least they're not going to have that that hit. Their $42 million cap hit is now down to 26. So they have 15 million more. Maybe they sign a Dupree. Maybe they keep Juju. Or maybe they go somewhere else to strengthen the team. So I think it is a good thing for the Steelers. Um, I do get it from your perspective, though. You're kind of ready to move on from the Big Ben era, mm-hmm. but they're not, and I get it. I mean, they're still too good to really put all the eggs in the Haskins basket. Right, and your standpoint is what I envision from that uh, the big brass executives from the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably seeing. I mean, they see they still see uh, a dominant defense. I mean, if the linebackers in Bud Dupree and uh, Devin Bush weren't, uh, you know, season-ending injuries... ACL injuries that, uh, you know, who knows? They could have gone deep into the playoffs. Even, I hate to say it, even maybe even the Super Bowl. Who, who knows? That, the, those, those two are perennial top linebackers in the NFL. Both Dupree is in his prime. prime. Uh, Devin Bush will be hitting his prime soon. One of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. So I, I can see where the standpoint from, from again, you and the... the executives from the Steelers are looking at but again for, for me you got an offensive line the offensive line is going to be depleted Ben is not a mobile quarterback okay they, they've Pouncey has already retired uh, they're looking at uh, maybe drafting a new tackle because they don't think they can keep all the tackles in Villanueva and, and on the other side uh, De Castro is a shell of his former self uh, it's just a new era. It's a new era. It's the mobile quarterback right now, and Ben has never been known to be uh, the mobile quarterback. So I believe, from my standpoint, even though again he's a terrific quarterback, in surrounded by the right people and in the right personnel, he could thrive. But his job, in my opinion, with that depleted line, is going to be just so much harder. I would rather have. Somebody who is more mobile and, and whatnot and build from there. And that's just from my standpoint. But I can definitely see where you're coming from and, you know, again, where the Steelers brass are coming from. Well, I mean, Johnny Manziel is available. The Steelers could go and reach for him. I mean, he's still mobile. But you know what? I, you know, one of the interesting things that I heard this week, I mean, we spent a lot of time on Dak Prescott last week, and right. we're not going to jump back into Dak Prescott, you know, too much today. But I think one of the things is it's starting to be clear that Dak Prescott probably wants to play the franchise game. You know, when, when what I didn't realize is that over the last six years, mm-hmm. The number one paid quarterback over the last six years, Ernie, do you know who that that person is? The number one paid quarterback? The the person who has made the most money over the last six years, $196 million over the last six years. Guess who that person is? You're probably never going to guess. I have no idea. It's Kirk Cousins. Oh, you're kidding. Kirk Cousins has made the most money, $196 million over the last six years, playing the franchise game. Washington franchised him once. Mm -hmm. Then they franchised him again. Then he went to Minnesota and he signed a three-year guaranteed contract. So he didn't go for the top dollar, but his money was all guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And then he signed another one uh, with a similar amount of money with them. So Kirk Cousins played this franchise game to the tune of $196 million, 
And you would never think that he'd make the most money from the quarterback position. So I think from Dak's perspective, he's already made 30 last year. He's guaranteed to make 37 this year. That's 67 million. And then next year he could go anywhere he wants. And I've heard that $40 million slot that the Steelers have, maybe they go and they go get Dak next year when they don't have to give up anything. They can just sign him and slot him into that, that salary cap mm-hmm. space with Ben retiring next year, mm-hmm. which I fully expect him to do. And then you get a quarterback like Dak for nothing other than his salary. Right. Wow. Yeah. I would never have guessed Cousins. But you know what? That's a gamble. That is a gamble. I mean, a quarterback position right now, you, I mean, you can easily get hurt. 270-pound linebackers in the yeah. lead running 4-5, hitting you from the blind side. Most people would not recover from that. Yeah. that is- and, and that's the thing. That's the part about this whole Dak situation now that has been so surprising. He had a catastrophic leg injury, but he seems to be still betting on himself. Mm-hmm. He's not willing to compromise. He still wants the top dollar. So say, like I said, he signs the franchise at $68 million over two years already. And then say he does compromise and he goes to a Steelers or somebody else on a four-year, $35 million a year guaranteed contract. That would be 140 plus the 67. He'd yeah. be over 200 million yeah. for six years, and that's a pretty good chunk of change that there. Is, so is. it seems like that's the way that there's this. He's not really motivated to get that long-term deal unless the the Cowboys overwhelm him and gives him exactly what he what he wants, which is Mahomes' money. Mm-hmm. He may just go into free agency next year, where the draft is supposed to be weak. This year's quarterback draft, you could have five quarterbacks yes. taken in the top 10 picks. Agreed. You know, if you look at McShay's latest draft, um, next year there are not that many good quarterbacks. So Dak could hit free agency without a whole lot of quarterbacks coming into through the draft with the ability to pick wherever he wants. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the Steelers. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That would be a, that would be a pleasant surprise. I'd have to take a look at what how the roster looks like and the, the cap situation. But you know, from a play from a skill perspective yeah definitely somebody that you'd like on your roster now let's transition to to a rookie that well somebody a quarterback on his rookie deal that still has two more years that looks like his team is giving up on him it looks like the jets are ready to move on from sam darnold right if the price is right and i heard that price right now is only a second round draft pick so you can get sam darnold for a number two i gotta think there's people that are going to be interested but where do you think would be his best fit right now under the current circumstances boy i mean if it's just going to be a second round pick there are just so many teams out there that need that type of i mean he was the third quarterback picking in his picked in his i mean the third player picked in his draft class i mean and you could argue that he never really had the supporting cast around him to allow him for success i don't even think you can argue that i think it's pretty clear that he is part of a future team so that's what makes this so hard right i mean are you willing to give up on him when there is nothing around it's been a complete disaster in new york so somebody a second rounder to me for certain teams that is well worth the risk yeah i mean I just don't see him going for a second round. I mean, I mean, you could put all that into... I mean, he has had turnovers. I believe he's played in 30 games, had around 30 interceptions during that, that time period. But, again, you're talking about a guy who has pedigree. I mean, coming in, coming in from USC, you know, and that walk, uh, on a pretty good team over there. I mean... There's just too many teams out there that I think that are in quarterback need right now. I think it's going to have, I mean, for me to guess right now would be 
very premature because I believe this comes down to a domino effect. You know, and which big domino actually hits first? You know, with Deshaun Watson still making uh, news out there. Again, the aforementioned uh, Dak Wilson. Uh, well, Dak, no, Prescott, Dak Prescott and, and, Russell, and, and, and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we talk about them so much, we merge their names. <laughs> but yeah, I think all of those those dominoes would have to probably fall in order for the Jets to get a decent enough deal to get uh, Sam Darnold. And then from there, I can narrow down my choices. But, but. Well, I think for me, there are two obvious choices. There are two obvious choices that should go get him. And there's a third team that I, I hear is interested in him. Mm-hmm. I think the two obvious choices are the Washington football team. Okay. You know, because they released Alex Smith, you right. know, this week. So they really don't have anyone other than that Tyler Henneke that had that one, you know, splash play against Tampa Bay. I cannot imagine with that quality of a team and mm-hmm. their defense is solid. solid yes. Their rookie running back was great. They have some talent on the on the outsides to put all of their eggs in Henneke's basket. I don't see that happening. So I would see Sam Darnold as a as a good fit there with Ron Rivera and then the Chicago Bears. Right now, all they have is Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles has not been the same outside of Philadelphia, outside of coming. He's never been able to start a season as a starting quarterback and excel. Mm-hmm. He took them to the Super Bowl, playing the last couple of games and then the playoffs. The next year, he took them to the Super Bowl again, playing only the last five or, five or six games or not even that many. And, and then he parlayed that into a huge contract with Jacksonville, which lasted one year, a couple games, and he missed the rest of the season. They ship him to, to the Bears. That hasn't worked out for them. So mm-hmm. he seems to be the world's best backup quarterback, mm-hmm. but they really need a starter. And I don't think they have the assets to really go get Russell Wilson. So I think Sam Darna would be a viable option for the Bears. Now, the interesting thing is the 49ers have said they're interested in Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. They really are not committed to Garoppolo, but I just don't see Sam Darnold being an upgrade over Garoppolo right now. Mm-hmm. So I think the only way that that would work would be to trade Garoppolo you know, to somebody else and, and get something. But is Sam Darnold, for that 49er team who's going to come back healthy... They were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Are you willing to, to ride Sam Darnold and see if he's still talented enough to be a star? Or are you going to go with Garoppolo who wins 75% of the time when he's healthy? Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that that makes sense for the 49ers, though I hear they're interested. To me, it's the Washington football team makes the most sense and then the Bears. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, from my perspective, if it's true, I, I mean, I'm not even sure why Deshaun Watson even mentioned the Jets, but... You know, if that's going to be a case where that is more probable than not, then maybe I think they just dump uh, Darnold. And then one of the two that you mentioned being the most desperate, if you can say that, for a quarterback will, will likely up that percentage and then getting it. You know, because again, it's, it's going to depend on the, the total landscape of all the available quarterbacks out there and who they can get. Do they want to go via draft? You know, and get the uh, the BYU quarterback and number two. Uh, we we a lot of people love. Yes, him. yes. A lot of people love Zach Wilson. Yeah. But we'll get into to the college prospects in another show. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. I mean, 
And the more people fall in love with these college quarterback prospects, the less value there is really right. to give up four number ones to go get a Deshaun Watson. Exactly. Who's already making $40 million a year. Yeah. And I think right now, yeah, I'm very surprised that the, the news out there was for a, uh, a second round draft pick. I thought he, you'd be able to get more. More for Donald. Yeah, you would think. I mean, he still has that pedigree. But, like, if I'm the Jets, as, as awesome as Deshaun Watson is, if I were to have to mortgage my future to go get him, I don't see how my team improves that much. Yeah. I mean, it'd kind of be like this year with the Texans, where as good as Deshaun Watson was, he had his greatest year. They went 4-12. and 12. Yeah. You know, so if he goes to, to the Jets and they go from 2-14 and 14 to... 5 and 11. Is that really what you want? Mm -hmm. um, I would rather stay put. Even if you've moving off Sam Darnold, take a Zach Wilson at two, mm -hmm. get him for five years on a rookie deal and build the rest of your team with those four number one picks that they have over the next two years. Yeah. So that would be how I would do it if I were the Jets because they're not a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. Right. You know, so there's a big difference between the Jets and say the Dolphins mm -hmm. could be a quarterback away with the talent that they've assembled. Exactly. But I believe in Tua. We believe in Tua. So mm -hmm. I hope the Dolphins don't dive there as well. Um, and so we'll, we'll see. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, probably because I have a lot of skin in this game, of the three quarterbacks who have already changed places, Jared Goff going to Detroit, uh, Carson Wentz landing in Indianapolis with the Colts, and then, of course, Stafford landing in L.A. with the Rams. Which of the three, Ernie, in your opinion, will have the best season next year? Well, let me just start off with who I don't think is going to have the best season. I think Goff will have a terrible season with the Detroit Lions. I just don't think that's uh, of good si I mean, he's going from out of the frying pan and into the fire in that situation. You know, so, I, I mean, I feel bad for him. I, 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 really, I really do. And I think that's, this is going to lessen his stock. You know, now, if he can revert back to the old golf, the golf that uh, took the Rams to the Super Bowl, then maybe things will change. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, neither do I. I, just, I mean, and I do. I like the kid. I appreciate what he did with the Rams. Um, but he's gone into a terrible situation, a team that is clearly getting rid of their assets, that has never had a good offensive line. All the wide receivers are free agents. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's not going to... And they could draft a quarterback with the seventh pick. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he could go into a situation where he's looking over his shoulder. So, yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think Goff is the obvious choice to be on the bottom. Yeah. As far as the other two between between Wentz and Stafford, well, there's that, that's that's a very good question. I'm, I'm, I believe that Stafford will probably have the most success in regards to team success. And I, I say that because the Rams have such a tremendous defense. I mean, the pressure there, I mean, we talked off of air in regards to this. I mean, the pressure is not there for Stafford to put up an offense that scores 25, 30 points a game. Okay. I mean, their defense will always keep them, always keep in the game. His need over there is just not to turn over the, uh, the football. As long as his touchdown to interception ratio remains... Uh, in a good standing, you know, and he doesn't give away the game, I think the Rams will do well. With that being said, I think Wentz teaming up with his old coach in Indianapolis, them having the pieces around him, him being in a new environment, him being in a medium, a small market uh, environment rather than being in, in Philadelphia, I think will help him tremendously because 
This guy, you got to remember, he came from North Dakota State. Okay, small college. He was probably, he's probably been praised from uh, a very young age to be the second coming. Okay, then he goes to Philadelphia, has tremendous success over there. Okay, but gets injured. Doesn't even, even though they went to the Super Bowl, he doesn't participate in that. Then he starts his decline. And I think that's, for a young quarterback, I think that really played a toll on him. Like, I, I don't think he had enough games uh, in his college career to develop the mentality of being the man. Okay, you know, and we all know Philadelphia, they booed Santa Claus. Yeah. Okay, they, they can be brutal. They are, they are brutal. Okay, and I think him getting out of that, that environment, again, teaming up with his old coach, having the players around him will lead him to be, in, from my, at least from my perspective, to have the most success. Most success. Yes. I, I agree with the Carson Wentz um, being in a situation where he's going to be successful. I, I think that he, you're right. I mean, it started with the injury. I think he was riding towards the, you know, he was rising up towards being the NFL's best quarterback. Yes. Then he tears his ACL. And it's not the injury per se. It was the fact that Foles had so much success. Mm -hmm. You know, so they won the Super Bowl really without him. And I think it affected Carson Wentz yes. mentally. And I think it affected the fans in Philadelphia mentally, mentally and then made it hard on him. And he just doesn't seem to have the mental strength to cope with that. So I agree. Going with being reunited with Frank Wright with that offensive line and that running game and a good defense, um, I think if he can stay healthy, I think they can, they're, gonna, they're the favorites really to me to win the AFC South. I think they win that division next year. They were in the playoffs this year mm -hmm. with Phillip Rivers just throwing you know, lollipops all over the place. So if Carson Wentz can be healthy, I see them excelling next year and, and being a real factor in the AFC. Right. But I cannot not say that Matt Stafford is gonna have the most success. I think he's gonna, what I'm really curious is because I, I think people have started to question a little bit Sean McVay because the Rams' offense have been so stagnant over the last two years. So right. I think he's going to be determined to show people that he didn't just get dumber. It's just Goff made him call dumber calls <laughs> or, or really make it so conservative. So I think it's going to allow him to open things back up. But I do think it's contingent on the Rams signing somebody who can stretch the field. Because Stafford's got a gun. But the gun only works if you can get separation and go deep. Right. So the Rams have to get somebody, and I have the confidence that they will go get somebody. But their defense is solid. Stafford is a leader. Stafford is tough. And I think that's one of the things that would probably frustrate the Rams in terms of golf. One of the things he's not, he did play with a broken thumb, but a lot of his turnovers comes from where he seems scared. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get hit. And he just throws the ball to nobody, well, to the other team oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a big difference between Stafford, who's tough, who's constantly hurt, but always playing through injuries because he had no offensive line. So if the Rams can protect him, I think that the Rams can build on the 10-6 and 6 season, provided that they get uh, somebody who can stretch the field and they keep their defensive players intact mm -hmm. because they have lost almost all their coaches. So if they lose too many defensive players, it is going to be starting from scratch. But when your scratch starts with Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey, I think you're going to be okay. Right. So I think Stafford can really lead the Rams 
to being one of the five or six real Super Bowl favorites in the NFL. Okay, and, and you know I agree with that. I'm 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 approaching this from the statistical point of view. I mean, who will be the better? Uh, let's let's put out quarterback rating. Who will have the higher quarterback rating? I think it's going to be. Wentz. Okay. And okay. that could be. But, you know, our listeners in L.A. would never forgive me. How can I be a Ram fan? I think <laughs> Carson Wentz is going to be better uh, than Matt Stafford. So that'll wrap up our NFL talk. When we come back after the break, Ernie's going to wrap up the show with his closing thoughts. All right. Now it's time for our closing thought. And last week, you know, um, I talked about LeBron and, and how he needs some rest and hopefully he's getting his rest now. And two weeks ago, uh, Ernie talked about CT and its impact. So I'm real curious. You know, Ernie likes to get really deep in, in his closing thoughts. I'm real cl- curious as to where he's going to go with this. So Ernie, what do you got? <laughs> well, you know what? I was actually going to go into uh, Biden's executive order in regards to allowing transgender women to participate in women's sports. But that seemed, seemed to be, uh, you know, all smoke doesn't seem like it's going to be that big of a deal. You know, I think uh, a lot of people were probably just blowing that one out of proportion. So I, I switched my topic this week in regards to something a little bit controversial, not as controversial as that. But this is in regards to and just leading into news where the Washington Redskins that go Alex Smith, as you alluded earlier, they also uh, changed their, their nickname. And I wanted to go in regards to you know, in this age of political correctness, Black Lives Matters and whatnot, you know, at what point do we draw the line in regards to uh, how we view the nicknames of all these franchises? I mean, you have the Washington Redskins that are now the Washington football team, okay? But you still have the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? In baseball, you have the Cleveland Indians, you also have the Atlanta Braves, okay? And then in college football, you have the Florida State Seminoles, okay? And this is just, this is just for the Native Americans, okay? I mean, you also, uh, if, if we're going to put it to them, who's to say that we cannot say the Spartans, okay? Maybe somebody from Greece is going to be offended by that, okay? Or the USC Trojans. Okay, I don't know if uh, if if they're most if the the Roman Empire was mostly Italian, but maybe the Italian community has something against that. Okay, but in my opinion, it's not the group per se; it's how they perceive the group. Okay, now with that being said, going back to the teams I mentioned earlier, the Washington Redskins, and I know in recent uh, years, I I know I noticed that the Florida State Seminoles. And even the Atlanta Braves and even the Kansas City Chiefs, they have the chop, the, the, the tomahawk chop, okay? To me, that is perceived as derogatory, okay? Because you have other mascots out there, uh, most of them being animals and whatnot, but you have other mascots, and let's use our uh, U.S. Naval Academy. Their mascot is the midshipman. That is basically all the, the cadets that reside within you know, that particular program. And that's a place of honor, okay? That's a place of honor. But who's to say that if the midshipmen are going to, let's say the Navy blows up another country and now they have a negative stigma on top of them, 
does that shade, uh, put a little bit shade in regards to their uh, mascot name? Okay, there is a lot of talk nowadays, and deservedly so in regards to the intent, in re the intent of uh, uh, disrespect out there, whether to be uh, the Native American Indians, the African Americans out here, and even in, in, in uh, most recent news, the Asian Americans who are getting a little bit heat in regards to the coronavirus. But from my standpoint, my thought process in regards to them is that any mascot, whether it be an animal, a fictitious thing, or a group, can be put in proper order if we treat that mascot or if we portray that mascot in uh, a hero status. Not, even, not necessarily hero status, but in a good light. You know? So get rid of the tomahawk shop. Uh, tomahawk chop get rid of any derogatory things in order to cheer on your team professional college or even down to your uh ayso team you know all the kids sports and use that in the proper perspective use that in a proper perspective where it shows respect for that mascot especially if it's going to be a group because you could have uh the midshipmen like i mentioned earlier in a good light but that can change overnight, okay? The Washington football team is just that, the Washington football team, okay? And in my opinion, the Washington Redskins were just like that, the Washington Redskins, okay? I didn't see anything wrong with that because I never saw the negative that was associated with that name, okay? Other people did, okay? And for whatever reason they did, they, may, they might be justified in that regards. But again, if a franchise is responsible enough when they choose their nicknames, they should be able to portray those mascots or nicknames in the correct light and avoid all these, you know, controversies. Yeah, controversies in regards to that. Because in my opinion right now, there are bigger and better battles to fight than a nickname or a mascot. Yeah, I think the names, uh, the mascot names have become uh, a political centerpiece because I think there's so much publicity surrounding it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think in the Redskins case, I think the name Redskins had a negative connotation to it. So they became the most obvious to, to, to switch. I believe the Cleveland Indians are going to change their name as well. If mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, that's going to happen in the next year or two. But I do agree with you in terms of it's how you portray a mascot because we're going to have people, I mean, there's the Minnesota Vikings, you know, so how is the Viking being portrayed? Mm -hmm. And then you have groups like, like PETA that are real animal type groups. So if you had all animal names, um, is that going to be something that's going to be problematic? So I, I do think, you know, sports in general tend to pick mascots that are strong, that represent, you know, a fighting spirit, a warrior attitude or, or, are strong you know so um that's what tends to happen with sports mascots and just in general i think school mascots follow along that that you know train of thought so you're right i mean it's how you portray it if you portray it in a in a positive light if you portray it in a way that makes the 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 people um who are being exploited which is what people think uh but it's not an exploitation but it's a reverence it's something that raises them up it's a respect uh, I want to be called a Kansas City Chief 
because of this, because the chiefs were this, uh, and they stood for this, and we believe in these things, and we want to emulate those characteristics. So I think you're right. I mean, it, it is a, a fine line. It's a situation that could go. But in today's cancel society, I hope it's not to the point where we're just getting rid of things just for the sake of getting rid of things. And in some cases, like the Seminoles um, of Florida State, they go to the Seminole Nation and they don't want their name to be removed from, from Florida State, was my understanding. Mm -hmm. Because it is a reminder of who they are. It is a reminder of the Seminole Nation. Every time you say Florida State Seminoles, people who are curious as kids, what is a Seminole? And you have an opportunity to educate on who the Seminoles were right. and who the Seminole Nation was. So I think you're right, Ernie. I mean, I think we cannot just have a cancel culture mentality or, or just get rid of things for the sake of getting rid of things just because somebody is offended. We have to use it as a teaching opportunity, like you talked about, to bring reverence to whatever the mascot is. So exactly. another great topic, yeah, another great point. Exactly. And just speaking to that, I mean, I know it's been the Washington football team as the most recent, but in the last in the last 50 years, there have been 40 colleges, 40 colleges out there who have changed their mascots' names because of these, uh, you know, allegations of uh, their mascot being offensive, you know. So, yeah, and just my in in my opinion, let's let's put our efforts into better things, you know. I mean, it's it's part to blame with the ownership, uh, maybe even marketing. In, in that regards and how and, and how they uh, you know get these this you know this perception out on regards to their mascot so let's just do maybe a little bit better in that and let's not take things too seriously sports is a diversion it's it's a necessary diversion in my opinion not to make it too polit to make it into a political thing it, I don't think it has too much relevance in that part I, at least from my perspective i would like it not to be all right so tell us what you guys think on that i mean it's a it's a topic that is i don't want to say the word divisive but there it is a topic that brings different opinions so we would love to hear what your train of thought is on this uh, particular topic again a reminder hit us up on social media at sports rivals podcast on ig and facebook and sports rivals pod on twitter and that brings us to the end of another show, Ernie. It was, uh, it was a little bit different. It yeah. wasn't a week filled with information. There was no Super Bowl. There was no critical thinking. Um, but it was fun to talk about our NBA awards midseason. Mm -hmm. It's curious to see how things go in the next uh, half of the year to see if our picks stay true. Uh, and again, it's always fun to talk NFL. Congratulations on you, Ben Roethlisberger, being back one more year for you. Mm. And we'll see what happens this week. <laughs> Maybe this week will be the week that everything happens in the NFL quarterback carousel. And even if it doesn't, March Madness Conference tournaments have started this yes. weekend. Next weekend, we'll get the, the 64 teams announced on Sunday and we'll be headed into March Madness. Yep. So until next week, everyone, the sports rivals are out. For joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.